furiously on one D five. I'm sorry, our what? You med. Our med. I'm not on any medication, sir. Oliver here. He can't handle his med. He prefers med to med. I need to use the bathroom, Alicia. Do you have any keys? There's an Alicia keys joke. I'm gonna leave now. Is the chicken tied up? The chicken is chilling. Does the chicken look like it's, you know, property of Bwamsandi? <laughs> the chicken's a plant. I have nothing for you. I have everything. Vecna, be praised. I stumble forward and grasp it with both hands. This rod is the rod of the pathkeeper. <laughs> Uncommon item. <laughs> Hey, Craig. Hey, Craig. Hi, Craig. Oh, shit. Uh, Ryan, are you here too? Yep. Perfect. I was just trying to think of what clever comment to make about David promoting workplace harassment, but I could not come up with something because he is playing Diablo 3 right now. That's Oh, okay. Got it. I was like, I didn't know if there was a story about David promoting workplace harassment. And I figured it probably wouldn't go over that well because you do the same since you play WoW. I do. I play a lot of WoW, and I'll play a lot of Diablo 2 and Diablo 4. Ugh, it just feels good. I love WoW so much. But I, was I, mean, telling, I was telling Zach that, because um, he asked why I was playing Diablo, and I said that um, I was like thinking, I've been thinking for a while, like, hey, I haven't played that game in like a year. I should check it out. So I gave myself a season to like play the game and see what would happen. And I'm liking it, but I don't know if it's worth overlooking their obvious shittiness. And it's yeah. also like, there's definite like plat long plateaus when you get deep into like seasonal Diablo. Cause it's like you get your set and then it's just like grinding for like 0.2% damage or something like that. So that sounds exactly like World of Warcraft. Like you hit yeah. the cap. I've hit 60. You know, they crunched it back down to 60, which I don't mind. Whatever. I get to 60. You get the gear and then you upgrade that gear very, very slowly. And yeah. for like marginal increases. But those marginal increases, you know, sometimes set the difference. If you're doing 1% more damage than the other guy in PvP and you guys have equal amount of health, that's a win. And those yeah. wins are, you know, they're. They're pretty big. Me and uh, I don't know if you remember Ashley, uh, David, the yeah. girl. Yeah, the vet. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I recently reached out to her to see if she still played, and of course, her and her husband still play. And so we've been PvPing, and we've reached sixteen hundred, which is I'm trying to compare it to Dota, um, not Divine. What's the one right underneath Divine? Ancient. Ancient. Yeah, so it's like it's ancient and like it's a pretty big deal, and it's you know those marginal increases, and then all of this stuff happened. It's like, man, ugh, love this game, Blizzard, but God, can you stop harassing women, please? That'd be rough. It would be nice. So you know, but I've been... it's starting to look good. Megan wanted you to know that she played WoW for a while. No, she did not. She did. Megan, what expansion did you play? Let me go grab her. She just walked out of the room. 
Oh, that's awesome. But she was a a war something who was Shantae. Oh, Shantae away. Exactly. That's awesome. Probably a warlock, I would I would assume. That's I mean could be warrior. Could be warrior, true. Or (laughs) worgen if she That's the one. Wait, really? She was a worgen? That's yeah. like definitely an expansion <laughs> then, because yeah, it wasn't in the base game. That is, yeah. Worgens are um, exactly what they sound like. They're they're werewolves. Um, they've got really cool accents. I wonder what class she played. That's, that's were Morgan. Cool. A were Morgan. Yeah. yeah girl named Morgan, but a- if it's if it's a full moon, she's Worgen. You sh- she should play again. The game is so much fun. Probably not right now. Probably not a good time to promote that. Um, can everybody, let's do this now. <laughs> can you guys hear this? Sure can. Okay, mm-hmm. thank God. I'm going to do that now to get that out of the way. Um, okay. All right. Do we have any logistic questions before we start? I'm going like, to try to mark where this episode is starting. Oh, okay. Well, I'd like to start with a big thank you to every single one of you guys for this incredible microphone. Um, you know, DMing microbone, microbone. Sorry, microbone. DMing is a really thankless job in most cases, but you guys have really. I mean, I called David and I cried in front of David. I cried in front of my daughter. It was it was a big surprise for me because I had it in my Amazon cart for the long time. I said, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this microphone my first paycheck of the semester and then you know i got other things from amazon i got this box and i was like oh what is this and i opened it and just immediate tears so thank you guys i love you all amazing gift surprise the shit out of me i really appreciate it we love you you deserve it and thanks to all you listeners out there for giving us a reason to buy nick a new microphone Exactly. All 99 of you, actually. I think uh, last time I checked, it was 99. And now we have two people from Germany. So I don't know if that one person from across the sea told someone else. else. Oh, man. (laughs) And and now we have two German listeners. Huge in Germany. Nick, Uh, do we have any Canadian listeners? I could check that right now. I could see. I have promoted the podcast to one of my Canadian friends. Let me see. I can I can see by region. Let's see. Your podcast analytics. Oh, we're up to 101. Oh, oh my God. Yes. We had oh wow. Okay. So we do have someone in Canada. One percent of our listeners are in Canada. One percent of our listeners are in the United Kingdom. Three percent of our listeners are in Germany. One percent in the Netherlands. Uh and then ninety-five percent in the United States. I'm also responsible for the person in the Netherlands. Really? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I can't and think of how someone in the Netherlands would organically come along this podcast. I, I mean, how do we explain the Germany listeners? Uh, and then we also have a much larger female representation here. We're up from 2% to 16%. We're, we're, we're making moves here, guys. Um, is, that, is that like overall to this week? To, to right now, to me looking at my phone and checking the analytics right now. So we gained uh, 14 women? Uh, I mean, if you're going to do the rough math. That, that is how Calic would think of it. <laughs> well, it's, it's 101 listeners, and we went from... We so lucky enough 
to accept the time that the female listeners are willing to share with us. Thank you. We are. It's just, delegation. It, I'm just I'm just amazed that we went we gained two overall overall listeners, but fourteen of them are women. Yeah, no no clue. No clue, but it's uh it's amazing. Stop Thank playing you. Diablo and they're looking for something else to do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh is the is the Canadian listener a general woman? Uh I can't I, I, that's not something that allows me to Ryan, like, I think it's stuff. Bob. I did talk to him about it and link him to the podcast. Okay. Hey Bob. Hey Bob. Thanks. Oh, and also, uh, we got our first piece of listener mail, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> I check that email so often, and finally, some guy named David. Uh, congratulations, David! You're the first listener mail we've ever received, and I wish I had a uh, like a sound drop that I could play here. And eventually, we will. I'm sure. Reach out to Scotty, David, please. Uh, our David. Um, but David says, hi, where did you find the resources to convert uh, PF1E, so Pathfinder First Edition, to D&D 5E? I would like to do something similar with my group. Love the pod. Um, that's not a question that you guys can answer, unfortunately, but I can absolutely answer that. I didn't find any resources. I found zero resources. This is... This is on the fly. I, I read something before about how people convert some of the skill checks. And then, um, you know, I, I use, uh, I think it's Don John. The, the, no, 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 it's a Kobold Fight Club to kind of balance the encounters to make sure that they're okay. Um, but other than that, it's, it's really by the seat of my pants. I think the most important thing, I guess this is one piece of advice I can impart upon you, David, our first listener in the mail is when they give you a stat block for an enemy. Let's say it says, uh, you know, this guy has 16 health, and then in parentheses it says 3d8, right? Uh, the 16 might be the average. I don't know what the actual math is there. But what I do is I roll the max. So the 3d8 would be 24 if my math is correct. And then I subtract one of the dice. So it's 16 to 24. Now that is my happy range. If Kalik hits somebody for 16 damage, I won't kill that guy. I'll be like, okay, his health is actually 24. And I'll play with that inside that range until I feel like, okay, this guy has had enough. It's time for him to die. Now, that's not a really big range, but if you think about boss monsters and, you know, like 5d10 health or whatever, that range gets a lot higher. Um, and that's something that I absolutely have to do with this adventure path because some of these monsters are very brutal. And then some of them are really weak. You know, Gadrin is kind of a weak guy, uh, but those spiders didn't fuck around at all. Um, so you really got to really toy with that. But other than that, it's, um, it's you know, D&D &D and Pathfinder are super similar. And, you know, you take some mechanics from one of them, like the assist mechanic, um, and put it into your game. But really, these are all guidelines. They're not hardcore rules. They're just suggestions. So, you know, just do what feels right, David. And if you need some more clarification, please write in and be our second um, listener mail. Do you guys have anything to say to David? What? I like you, We love you. <laughs> Thank you so much, David. Number one fan. Yay. Number one fan. Uh, we'll send you some swag when we get that shop running, Todd. Um, let's see. So, 
I actually have a question for my players, because this is something that I've been thinking about, especially with this session coming up. What do you think that this AP does well, and what do you think could be done better? Um, and I'll start, just so you guys can have some sort of framework here. Um, what I love about this AP is the setup for the later chapters. And that's not something that you guys could see right now, but there's a lot of setup. And it's, it's all just barreling towards these incredibly climactic conclusions. Um, it's really exciting for me on this side to just give you guys information that you kind of overlook or you pick up an item and you're like, oh, this is shiny. And then that item turns out to be something that might kill you later on. You know what I mean? And, you know, I'm not saying that either any of you guys have those in the bag, but I'm also saying that you probably do. And you have no idea. And the, the adventure path is really good at setting that up. Now, I think what I dislike about the adventure path so far, and it does change later on, is the lack of safe spaces for you guys to really stop and talk. Now, with the calamity and the anarchy that's going on in Carvosa, it's just so fast-paced. Uh, and it'll change, but I just couldn't imagine living a life like you guys are living right now. You know, just nonstop, let's go, go, go. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. David, what about you? Um, I, well, we were talking a little earlier, but I was saying that um, it's a little weird. Just the beginning feels like it's just doing a, being a, uh, you know, having a job for the man when Calic is, you know, a criminal seems a little weird. And um, it's a little, I don't want to say railroaded, but it feels like heavily guided at uh, where if you don't do this, like you're putting yourself at a major disadvantage because we get free shit. Um no, I completely agree. Yeah, especially with Calic's background. Like, why are you working for the man, Calic? Um, and yeah, that, yeah, yeah that's, that's a a big complaint from a lot of DMs. Like, how do I keep the team motivated to work for the queen? Um, and that motivation dissolves. It does on purpose too. What about what do you like about the AP so far? Um, I like the idea that we're going to dig that fucking tunnel to my ancient temple thing or Galax ancient temple. Yeah. I've been meaning to talk to Aiden about that. He seems to be the one that's super spearheading that, uh, I guess just, you know, from the conversations we've had. Um, but no, I agree. That's going to be super exciting. Making your own little base. Well, if you had played uh, Seven Days to Die with us, you would know that Aiden likes to spend 99% of his time digging. Uh, so it makes sense that he would look to excavate in this as well. I'd never drawn that parallel before, Ryan. Maybe there's something I need to learn about myself. Always digging. You're yeah, a that's... person. It's going to be cool, because, I mean, like I mentioned before, it's a mechanic that allows you to make your own base. And I guess, you know, my only complaint was a lack of safe space for you guys to stop and talk. Man, if you guys had your own bat cave, it'd be pretty, pretty I serious. did. I did listen to Hanging Out, and I would like to point out, Nick, that you placed a lot of emphasis on something of value being behind the archway and the runes, something magical. And you went to great lengths to tie it to Kallax's story as well with the runes that only he could read and describing it specifically to him. 
yeah it's um it's foreshadowing for sure there's there's definitely things to be found underneath corvosa um you know there's things to be found underneath a lot of cities but corvosa is something that's hiding a very very dark past tied um almost directly to the Shawanti. so that's a, a good segue into one of the things that I really appreciate about our D&D sessions. And that's each character is not just a template and the backstory is something that you're actively working on trying, tying into the narrative. And I find that's much more engaging. Yeah, and I enjoy it too. I really enjoy it. I, I like, you know, fleshing out your characters. I like when people come to the table with like expansive backstories, but I also like that you come to the table and we create the backstory together. I feel like that's more rewarding. Yeah. I like I that it wasn't, uh, you know, hi, my name is Silas and here's three pages of my backstory that you, uh, you didn't ask to learn about. We can yeah. build characters as we go, which I've been guilty of doing in the past. I think we all have. I think when we first started playing, you know, D&D, we all had these massive backstories only to find out that they are written at the table. Um, and, you know, you guys' role playing, it's it's getting incredible to the point where I can write these things without hesitation. So it's, it's really fun. It's a collaborative effort. I also get the distinct impression that we're piecing together a puzzle that we have tidbits of information which are valuable in their own right but i still can't see the overall picture and that is by design i will tell you you have a lot of puzzle pieces but it's almost like you don't have any corner pieces you know what i mean you, can, you don't have any bordering pieces just yet and those pieces are falling together slowly and you do have some false pieces i, I imagine that you know some of the things i've said that you guys have been like is that important is that chicken part of the narrative you know, this type of stuff, but you do have some very the important. The, yes. The ch- that is, that's an easy one to answer. Yes. That is a critical point of the story. The chicken is pretty important. I'm not going to lie. Um, mm-hmm. But there are some very, very big pieces tied into each one of your backstories, oddly enough. Um, and it's like, it. you know, I've said this before. It's like you guys read the adventure path but it's not the case you read the player primer and that's something that pathfinder does very well they give me something to give my players that gets them up to date and i haven't seen that in 5e yet but i'm sure that it's going to come to it but i mean i figure with this group we'll continue to play adventure paths there's no shortage of them there really isn't um ryan what about you what do you like and dislike about this adventure path so far well uh, near the beginning, uh, I wrote down a thing called Harrow Points on my character sheet, <laughs> and we have yet to do anything with them, nor do I remember what they do. So, That's true. Uh, the fact that like that was a thing, I don't know. <clears throat> Whenever there are things like that, and I write down stuff on my character sheet, and then I never use it again, uh, those always make me a little sad. Mm-hmm. I feel that. I think... Uh... Katie had said something about when she, I was talking to her about doing another campaign. She says, you know, the one thing I want is cohesiveness. And those hero points, uh, I mean, you guys could use them, and we can absolutely go over what they're for again. But I feel like that, I f- and I, you know, Zalara, I'm sorry. I feel like Zalara on, as a whole is kind of a, a plot hole, you know, but she'll come back. But what do you like about 
the adventure path, Ryan? Well, uh, I like the strong female characters that we've come across so far, namely the queen and the oh, yeah. uh, leader of the, the guard. Mm, Cressida. Yeah. Oh, and there's no shortage. Trust me. I, I, that's so interesting. I don't think I've played an adventure path where everyone who's in power is a female. And it's really the case. I mean, you know, other than Gadrin and, you know, uh, you know, people that we've met, um, you're right. The people in power are females and it's, it's fun. I really enjoy it. Um, Loth was a female, but, you know, we didn't really play that one too intensely. So, you know, I'm going to really enjoy playing a strong female role, especially because, um, you know, the daughters in this group, there are plenty of them, plenty. So it's good to have. D&D with strong female roles. And I'm looking forward to the voices to come. Yeah, yeah, don't... <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Todd, you're last. Um, what do you like? What do you don't like? Todd? Earth to Todd? Todd likes Todd. it all. Todd loves everything. Perfect. Perfect. Perfect <laughs> and simultaneously hates all of it. Mm -hmm. Todd is just chaotic neutral okay perfect uh all right we're, we're gonna do one more sound check just to make sure can we all hear that hear yep. what? yes okay perfect stop it david okay guys oh i'm so excited for this so let me remind you of the current situation You've completed your first mission as Queensman and met with Cressida. One of Corvosa's most respected and renowned teachers of fencing was with her last time you saw her, Vencarlo Orsini. Vencarlo brings information on a man named Darvane Geos Ampre. Now, Darvane's an ambassador from Cheliax, who has the mindset that his government should place a hold on trading with Corvosa, going as far as to entertain the idea of an embargo. Now, this, coupled with the unrest caused by the king's untimely death, could undermine the Corvosa economy to a point where Darvain can buy up large portions of the city from desperate owners and establish himself in a position of power. Of course, before conveniently advising for an end to the sanctions brought on by the Cheliacs. He has a very, very easy opportunity to be a rich man. Now, fortunately for Prism... Vencarlo has also learned that the same ambassador makes regular visits to a place in Old Corvosa called Eel's End, a den of vice run by the King of Spiders, Devargo Bravasi. Now, Devargo isn't a good guy. I mean, you could probably tell that by his name, but he pays his taxes and he doesn't brazenly break any laws. So going in guns blazing, you know, wielding your, your credentials as Queensman isn't what Cressida had in mind. Your task is to enter Eel's End and find out if anyone has any information on Darvane. You've been supplied with 1,500 gold to bribe Devargo, and somehow managed to not spend a single copper of it during your shopping spree last session. And now, you're right outside the blacksmiths, newly geared. What's the plan? Do we need to rest? Have we rested since we leveled? You have rested. You needed to rest. Oh, since you leveled? No. Now, I think that some of you guys now have magic items that you need to attune to, and that requires a short rest. 
Now, a short rest can be dynamic. It could be a meditative walk. It could be sitting on a bench for an hour. You guys can easily do that if you have items. Now, I don't think any of you guys have lost any spell slots. I think maybe Oliver cast Distort Value. I've used, yeah, two spell slots. But also, if we haven't rested since we leveled, do I need to have a long rest to have access to the new spells that I unlocked? No, I think in order to level, we rested. So we haven't rested since after leveling up. So you okay. have access to all of your new spells. I think the only thing that you're down are those two spell, spell slots. slots. Okay. Correct. Um, now, again, like I said, if you guys need a short rest, that's another thing. But if you need a long rest, that's a completely other story. So... Like I said, you're outside the blacksmith. You know that you're very close to Eel's end, the, um, you know, your target. Um, what does Prism plan to do? I'm happy to go to Eel's end if you guys are. Silas, let us complete the charade with nunchucks prior to going to Eel's end. For those who may not remember, we were going to have Koros change his face to be somebody else and parade around with the nunchucks so that we would not arouse suspicion when valiantly returning them to their rightful owner. Oh, I thought that we were just gonna quote-unquote find them on a dead body that we made dead in Eel's End. Eel's yeah, End is a... Approach as well. Eel's End is a place of thugs and, you know, thieves. This, that would be a safe plan, I will say that. Yeah, it seems much less risky. Let's go with that. Rather than Koros just pretending to be John. <laughs> <laughs> with nunchucks that he found. You mean Johnny Nunchuck? Yeah. <laughs> just walk JC. in there with a mustache. I'm Boros. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Koros, how do you feel about that? I think the plan was actually that Koros would pretend to be a pirate and make sure people saw him and then we'd retrieve them in Eel's end. Not that he'd masquerade as somebody else and go into the blacksmith. Mm. So he was going to be our, our fall guy and then we were going to say that we found them. Essentially, yes. Gotcha. I am down for any plan that you guys if, have. If you want to, as long as you don't walk into the... Like... As long as this charade, or I guess I can say it as Calic, so I'll be like, <clears throat> Chorus, if you think this is a good idea, just don't go anywhere where we're going to end up having to fight good people. Just like walk around, a, a, just make a spectacle and then walk away and change into somebody else. I mean, sometimes bad things happen to good people. Well, yeah, but, but you, you are the bad thing that happened to good people, so we're trying to write that. Yeah, sometimes I am the bad thing. Get that right. Hear that, everybody out there? Sometimes Silas, bad guy, bad boy. Silas is a bad boy. There are people walking around just staring. There's a mother with a child kind of just like hurting her away from you as you know you're saying that you're the bad guy here uh, I, you're, you're getting some I thrust my chest at that child and go bad boy this 10 year old walking around with how many knives hanging off of his belt 
no this less than five. This is clearly not the right environment for us to do this. This is this is definitely <laughs> already not. attracted too much attention. <laughs> there are people looking at you guys at this point. I believe Silas has a red bandana around his head too that he ripped off of a uh, a quilt. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, you... Let's just move on to Eel's end. <laughs> so you guys, uh, any any objections to Eel's end? Oh, I, I don't think that it's going to be a stretch to say that we took this off of a thug in Eel's End. So let's go. And Calic will walk, or will lead the way. Calic's been to Eel's End, I think. Absolutely. You absolutely have. Um, on prior jobs, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, the walk is, is pretty quick. And you guys make your way towards the dock called Eel's End. Is it marked now, as seven? Uh, oh, yes. Let's uh, let's go to the map. I think I have it marked as something. Where is my... Yes, I mean, it should be near a dock. If it's seven, then that's it. I told... Oh, here it is. Perfect. Wave Street. Yes, right off of Wave Street. Let me open roll 20. Uh, so yes, you guys move from three in Jagger's Circle up Main Shore Boulevard and then down Wave Street uh, to Eels End proper. Now, the sound of people enjoying themselves leaks from the elegantly painted barges moored to this long, long pier. Large signs painted in several languages are nailed to the pilings and hang from the ropes slung between barges. The closest barge uh, to the east bears a sign that says, The Twin Tigers. Take the tiger by the tail and try your luck. And you can hear that the music and most of the revelry is coming from there. Now opposite of that barge to the west, uh, a boat sign says, Welcome to the Golden Hawk. No safer stay in Old Corvosa. Further to the southeast is Dragon's Breath Corridor. Dream the dragon's dreams at affordable prices. And opposite of that is House of Clouds. The caress of our lovelies will make you go straight to heaven. Now, only one of them doesn't have a sign. The largest vessel, an old warship to the south. Short rope bridges or gangplanks provide access to the decks of these ships from the pier that you guys are standing at the beginning of and from the decks of other ships. So all of these ships are connected. And um, it doesn't look like there's really anyone stopping you no one checking to see if you have weapons um nothing nothing stopping you guys from going in so we have uh quite a few options here which ship would we like to go to i'll remind you of your mission we're here to find information about the ambassador and you know that devargo bravasi the king of spiders runs this place and he would absolutely have information but that's not to say that other people here haven't seen him when you say he runs this place, do you mean he runs, like, the entire area? So, like, all of these ships? Absolutely. So I would say that each one of these ships is run by someone who owns the ship, and they pay rent to uh, to uh, Vencar. Vargo? Yeah. And, you know, in return, he provides protection. Calic, you would know this. Uh, his bruisers his you know, brutes they provide protection for the people running uh their own individual ships so we have options 
Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling pretty lucky right now. Maybe we can go to the Twin Tigers first. I do like a good game. Is that a consensus? Koros, Cal or Koros, Silas? Either one of you guys have yeah, any that sounds good to me. Okay. I'm always so, after a little luck. There you go. So, uh, atop this barge, two hut-like structures and loud laughter and periodic roars of victory uh, come from within. And when you guys make your way into one of those structures, the music gets a lot louder and, you know, the sound of people and dice clattering and cards being shuffled, it starts to emanate. Um, and you see a large group of enforcers pulling a fighting duo apart before dragging them to the side of the ship and throwing them overboard. You could see that DeVargo's men run a tight operation and no type of rowdiness is really tolerated on Eel's end. Um, you see three different types of games, you know, some little low-key ones. People are shuffling dice, uh, people are, you know, panning out cards, but I think the main attraction that really, really gathers all of your attention is the game of Knivesies. Now, I'm not sure how many of you are familiar. Probably Calic. Calic would be familiar with this. Silas, maybe. But what you see are there two men on this massive table on opposite sides. Their right hands are bound with boiled leather straps, and they have belt pouches fitted to their waists. And there's a dagger in the middle. And before you could really see, you know, what else is going on, they start running at each other. The crowd starts cheering. One of them goes for the dagger. The other one's trying to shovel gold into his pouch. Um, you know, people are throwing more gold onto the table, increasing their bets. Uh, and before you know it, one of them's thrown off. And the, one of the guys has claimed the victor, and the gold is divvied out. It seems like the, the main attraction around here. But that's not to say that the other games aren't lucrative, too. A lot of people here. What do you guys want to do? I just see the daggers and Silas's eyes are just fixed. Yeah. They they're not the nicest daggers, laughing. Silas. Yeah. But they, yeah, they're, they're still daggers and they're still a part of this game as far as you can tell. This is a game of daggers and Bravely, which are basically the two components that make up myself. So I feel like I need I need to go win. I need to go win some gold. I didn't come here to play. I came here to win. Well, hopefully they don't have an age minimum to participate. I'll just lie. They what? Are they gonna check my ID? I got I got a fake ID. I'm sure that you're. Small body will be able to fool everybody. Maybe you have a glandular disorder. Maybe he's a halfling. I'll just say I'm a really tall gnome. Do you look like a gnome? Do I look like a halfling? I don't know, you're wearing shoes. <laughs> exactly. They'll never know. So that guy who had won the previous bout is standing there, just jeering at the crowd. He's collecting the gold from the table that has, you know, been portioned for him. 
and he's taunting people. Who's next? Which one of you wimps dares to go against the champ? And he's just kind of waving the knife in the air. Um, nobody seems to really want to have a piece of this guy. So are people betting on the outcome of this? They are, yes. So on either side of the table, people will stand and throw gold onto the table. Now, if your person from your side of the table wins, the bounty, all of the gold on the table is split in half, goes to the people who bet on him, and half goes to the actual combatant. Um, So if you're betting on someone who doesn't really have high odds, you have a much larger chance of winning a ton of gold. Now, that amount of gold is determined by a roll, and I've put that into the Discord. You know, 10d20 plus 50. Uh, so it's it's quite a bit. And then whatever you guys add to the pot. So let's say Silas was to go up there. You guys could either bet against Silas or bet for Silas. Um, and if Silas were to win somehow, the entire party would get all of that gold. Well, I'm willing to bet that uh, our combatant would have some tough odds against him. Hey, Maybe some nice payment outcomes for us. Hey, Carlos, you should you should help me out with this one. You should pretend to push me, push me towards the game. Just just give me a good push. Of course, Chorus picks up Silas and flings him onto the table. No! Oh, no! My no! God. I'm I'm too young for this. No, I don't know what I'm doing. What's the guy a, what's a turns. What's a knife? He stares and he says, "You bring me a child? What is this? A joke?" Yes, re- sir, it's a joke. I could never defeat you. No, you couldn't. You're just a puny halfling or a babe needing to suckle on its mother's tit. Get out of here. Oh, but but they told me that I have to or else they'll they'll not feed me again kind of stares and he contemplates a halfling is all that it would take to embarrass you you see people start moving towards this guy's side of the table and i'd like your direction to uh fall into roll 20 uh people start it's a huge huge table (laughs) people start coming to this side um silas you are on the table and uh one of the staff members comes and replaces the dagger in the middle. Now, there's going to be a dagger right here. Uh, it's still got a little bit of blood of it. She stabs it into the table pretty violently, so it's it's pretty stuck in there. Uh, this guy doesn't seem very concerned. Are you guys going to all bet on Silas? Did we have a uh, any sense of how much people were betting in the previous round? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The I think just person by person they were betting you know at least 30 gold a piece nothing less than that but sometimes more than that depending on their confidence now let me see if i can roll uh let's roll for how much is thrown on the table without you guys 136 gold is thrown onto the table even without your bets a low ass roll. That is a low ass roll. Four, three, three, two. That is low. How much are you guys gonna throw on there? So if I throw 
30 on there, and Silas wins. Yep. What does Kallik get? Uh, you guys can figure that out. You would get half, and then that half would be split amongst whoever bet on Silas. So there's only three of you over there. Um, and so Kallik would get Silas. Silas gets that half. Oh. Yes. Silas is the winner. Okay. So how much gold Better are you guys going to bet? I'll put 150. Ooh. ooh. Okay. 150. Uh, believes in Silas. You can see that. And people are starting to take note, but no one is swayed. They think you a fool about being parted with his money. Kalik, how much are you betting on your friend? Only 33 gold on me. Self of 30 there. Okay. 30? Yeah. Oliver, do yeah, you I have mean, any faith? Koros doesn't technically have 150 gold either, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, wait, how much did you do? 33 on Calic? I did 30. Well, let's you just, did 30. You did 30. Let's just make it an even 250 for all of us. 250. All right. So on the table is 386 gold. Um, Silas. You're on this side of the table. You can move to whichever one you want here. Any of these four spots. Um, and once you're done, you could hear the music kind of fade out and people get very quiet. Um, you have an attendant come up to you and tie your right arm back to your belt and fit you with a gold pouch. Same thing's happening over here. And he's just staring at you. And he says, you know the rules. And so do I. It's time. Do you have do any questions? Do they take uh, my other daggers and stuff? Or do they no. leave everything mm -hmm. on my person? They left everything on your person. They just assume that you're not going to be Silas. And that's probably a very unsafe assumption. I would like for you to roll initiative. Be an eight plus three, eleven. He got a four plus two, a six. There's a dagger in the middle of the table, but there's also a ton of gold around you, and you have the opportunity to grab as much as you can. I hope you read the rules, because it's very important. Yes. What uh, is your first move? I mean, I'm going for the dagger. Right here in the middle. Gotta get that dagger. Grab the dagger, make a strength check to pull it out of the wood. Oh no. It's <laughs> cocked. Uh, oh no. Oh god. <laughs> That's a natural one. Ooh god. Uh, hang on. Oh, I okay. sense a distortion in the time rift and use chrono sh chronal shift. Silas, you go for the dagger. I need you to roll a strength check to grab it. Let's see. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a natural, too. <laughs> but I'm going to use a luck point. There you go. Okay. I also sense a shift. All right. 11 plus 1, 12. That is enough to... Free the dagger from the table. You are now armed. He takes his turn. 
and he runs here, and he starts collecting gold. He's not intimidated by you at all. And let's see, so he snatches, let's see, 2d20 amount of gold, 13 gold. Not a lot, not a lot at all, but he's collecting gold so far. Right now, if the game were to end, he would be the winner. It's your turn. All right. Uh, so according to the rules, if he grabs gold, I get an attack of opportunity. If you are close enough to get that attack of opportunity, yes. Oh. If you are within range, yes. Well, if a dagger's a thrown weapon, is he within range? Oh. <laughs> uh, attack of opportunity like that. Not attack of opportunity on range, but I like how you're thinking. Then I'm going to go for just throwing a dagger at his face. Well, perhaps Koros can help a little. Ooh, Koros, you can help. Just got to be a little bit room lit. It is poorly lit. This, this, the center of the light is right over the table. Yes, but there are shadows, and you could see them in the room. Interesting. Koros took Thaumaturgy as a cantrip with his book of secrets, okay. and it allows him to create a minor wonder, including dimming flames. Ooh. Suddenly, the room plunges into very dim light, giving... Silas advantage on his attack and potentially a sneak attack if he wants to take it. Silas, you are somewhat shrouded in darkness. In the darkness, I sneak up close to him. And... That would be... Oh, you said advantage? Well, I feel, I feel like in order for what Koros said just happened, you'd probably need to roll a stealth check. Roll a stealth check in this darkness. Thaumaturgy is just a cantrip. You can't, like, force advantage on a cantrip. Alright. Stealth. That would be 13 plus 5. 18. Ooh, that's actually really high. Let's, uh, he's not exactly looking directly at you. Let's roll for his passive perception here. Like, ooh, what was yours? 18 higher you're not really in his radar right now what are you planning to do with the stealth uh i'm just gonna sneak up right behind him and just stab right in the kidneys okay <laughs> right at um, my height level roll the hit uh, 11 plus 6 17 oh yep that is way higher than his ac uh, oh, actually, sorry, this is a standard dagger Yes, it's a so, plain dagger. So, okay, 16. Still, higher than his AC. Um, just blood spurting from his side as he's trying to grab uh, the gold on the floor. His hand tied back. He can't really do much to defend himself. How much damage has he taken? Um, so, D4, roll the 4, plus 3, so 7. Plus, this is sneak attack, right? Yeah. So, 7 plus... Two, that's nine, plus three, that's 12. 12 savvy damage. Christ. Uh, that's a lot of damage. Wasn't really expecting that, and neither was he. Um, he doesn't drop, but he is seriously injured. Are you leaving that dagger in his side, or are you pulling it back out? Uh, I'm going to leave it in his side as a little... Oh, <laughs> you know, that's for you. Okay, all right. In his ear. 
it is his turn. Um, woof. He is going to move into that gold and then move right here, still in your range. And he is going to try his hardest to just shove you as hard as he can. And that is a contested strength check. Your favorite. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Oof. Strong boy. Strong boy. So I have a 14 there. Cool. 16 plus 1, 17. Are you kidding me? His shove is just not strong enough. His kidney just got stabbed. He's he's really losing uh, his strength, but he's not losing this battle. He still has more gold than you. If one piece of this gold is to fall off the table, he'd be declared the victor. It's your turn. I say, try again, big man. And then I would like to pull out my short sword. Nope. I'm going to use my my silver dagger. Okay. And what are you going to do with that silver dagger? I'm going to stab him in the other kidney. <laughs> you only have one hand, so you're going to have to drop the first dagger. Yo, he, the dagger is still in. Yeah, he left oh, it he in left the it? guy's side. Yep. Oh. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to use a luck point for that reroll. Okay, this is just getting ridiculous. Last luck die. First oh roll was a two. Second roll was a three. And what is your last luck die roll? Uh, six plus six, 12. That is not high enough to hit his AC. Oh. He pulls the dagger out from his kidney and he goes to stab you. I don't like that. No, no, no. It's, it's got his blood. He might be diseased, too, so this is not a good look for you. 15 plus 2? Uh, 14 is my AC. Yeah, okay. Nice. I like this. I like this. Uh, all right. Uh, just a sec. 2 damage. Not much Ooh. at all. Yeah. Not much at all. Uh, he doesn't leave it in you. He keeps it on him. Um, just to update you, he is still winning this battle by the rules. It is your turn. I could go all day, big man. I take my silver dagger and I stab again. God, are aiming, you just going to... aiming for that second kidney. <laughs> that would be an 11 plus 6, 17. That, that hits. All right. Just remind ourselves of uh, the great words that Silas once said: uh, "Blood is power." Blood is power, and that power is a four plus four, eight points of damage. He is hurting a lot, and people are starting on this side of the table are starting to really reconsider who they should have bet for. Um, the room is getting quieter and quieter as their champion is starting to bleed out on the table. Uh, you see his tactic change just a little bit as he starts to move back towards this side of the table. Oh, I'm actually moving one of the axes. Oh, he moves out of your attack of... Okay, you get an attack of opportunity. Okay. I forgot about that. He's I'm trying still... to move towards the people that are betting for him. Still holding that silver dagger. Roll to hit. Very important hit here. Uh, 10 plus 6, 16. That hits. How much right. damage? This guy is like moving away for dear life at this point. 3 plus 4, 7 damage. How do you kill him? Ooh. 
I I walk up to him. Is it? Let me ask you. Is it lethal damage? Yes. Okay. Tell me how you do it. Silas does not know any other kind. <laughs> Silas walks up, stabs the other kidney, and then as he's trying to walk away, he grabs both daggers and just pulls them together across his back and this then guy. just watches him fall onto the table. This guy is eviscerated in front of everybody. The blood spray covers the people that were betting for him and he dies. And then I look at everybody else and say, are you not entertained? There's a moment of silence and then cheers overpowering the jeers of the losers. Uh, most people don't care who wins. They're just here to see a fight, and you sure gave them one. His body is dragged off by uh, DeVargo's men and thrown overboard. And just for a moment, it's almost like you heard something grab him right as soon as he hit the water. Maybe a reef shark. I don't know. I don't write these things. Uh, Silas, you're on a table covered in blood. More importantly, covered in gold. And you've gained a lot of respect. People are looking at you in a different light. Uh, the prism has earned every cent of that. I don't know if you guys want to divvy that up in a special way, uh, but you have earned 386 gold. Ryan, if you'd like to tally that. and uh, So that's 386 total, right? Like That includes total. the 250 that we put Correct. in? Correct. Mm -hmm. So you've gained gold and you've gained respect. Um People are kind of done staring, and there are people kind of cleaning the table around where Silas is still standing victorious. Uh, but uh, all of that gold is yours. Silas would like walk to the, the middle of the table where the dagger was and try to stab the dagger back into the table. But then I rolled a six plus one. Mm. So. Nope. Just going to gently lay that dagger there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just going just gonna to walk back away from it. Koros, you said something there? Koros claps Silas on the back. Gold earned through blood. A fine exhibition, Silas. Blood. Gold. Power. What else could a man need? Pretty grisly sight. Pretty grisly indeed. Now there are still games to be played here, but Let's not forget that you are also on a mission. You could gamble. You could gamble all of your gold away. There are many ways to make gold in this little hut. Uh, Nick, these kind of exorbitant displays might attract the attention of somebody who runs the place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the man that dragged that guy overboard, or, you know, dragged the, the corpse overboard, is... No longer around. No longer around. Now, maybe a keen eye saw him go straight for the unmarked barge, where you could only assume the boss would be dwelling. You guys have absolutely made your presence known. It's not hard to recognize a, a group of four people uh, with a child. Most um, people. A murderous child. Yep, a murderous child. Uh, so I think uh, if you were planning on making this a covert mission, it's no longer an option. But yes, you have not only gained the respect of people around you, you've gained the attention of people not seen. 
What is your plan, Prism? Silas is going to walk over to a bar and get a drink. This one's on the house. And kind of just pushes a mug across to you. It doesn't look like, you know, the finest of alcohols, but it's it does smell pretty strong. Winners get to drink, usually with DeVargo himself. But he's he's a little busy. His audience is very taxing. Where where is he? He's on the eel's end. Now I know that that might be confusing. You must be new here. I've never seen you. I think I would have remembered a child. Um, Eel's End is the pier, and Eel's End is also the name of DeVargo's ship. And he points to it. And it is that one that was unmarked uh, all the way to the south. It's a very, very large, unmissable warship. You see those double doors with the red spider painted on them? Yes. That's where you're going to find him. He'd probably be interested in talking to such a champion. Knives is one of his favorite games. Is he a player or a gambler? I don't often see him play. He comes out and he makes love to the women of the patronship. And he points... Uh, absolutely. Gross. Uh, and he's pointing towards uh, the House of Clouds. Um, and he comes here to gamble on Nimesies, but I've never seen him jump on the table himself. Well, maybe... Maybe we can get him to come out and join for a game. Maybe he'll go down there and say hi and say, uh, you know, I took out one of his one of his champions. I wouldn't have called that man a champion. I wouldn't either. He's dead. That's true. I think that if he was the champion, you would now be the champion. What was your name? My name is Silas. You'll be hearing that name a lot around town. I'm sure I will, Silas. Have a nice night. Don't forget to spend some of that gold here at the Golden Hut. You give me some better beer than this to buy, and I'll give you plenty of gold in return. Now, we don't specialize in beer here in Eel's End, but I will tell you, if you're into, and he leans close, drugs. The dragon's breath is something that you're going to want to visit. The dragon's breath. Should I tell them anyone in particular sent me? You could tell them whatever you want. They're going to be so far gone by the time you get there that they're not going to even know their own names. Good to know. Well, sir, I appreciate the beer and the kind words and the information. And you know what? This one's for you. And then I'm gonna put uh, one gold on the counter. He looks at the gold, and he looks at you, and he smiles, and he grabs the gold, puts it in his pocket. Your patronage is always appreciated. Tell you what, kid. If you make your way to the House of Clouds, there's a blonde there. She's got a and he kind of gestures to his chest. An ample bosom. You're going to want to play with her. Her name is Tish. I don't know about that. She's too old for breast milk. 
he chuckles and nods. Aren't we all? And he gets back to his bartending. Can I take a few moments to uh, look over the room uh, in particular? Are there any like people that are clearly security or guards of some kind? Yeah, they're not on the inside of the tents. They're kind of out near the uh, the ledges. They're they're looking at you guys. So there's about four of them. They're not together. They're spread out pretty well, um, but they're kind of waiting for something to happen where they need to intervene. You said outside of the tents, like there's tents inside yeah, where so their they're, they're, gambling they're like, happens. Mm-hmm. So like on the deck, there are like two larger structures, like um you know, very sturdy tents. I wouldn't say that they'd blow away in the wind, like permanent types of fixtures. Um, And they're standing on the outside deck. So if it were to rain, they would get wet. Now, they're not the only brutes on Eel's End, and you've seen them kind of walking around the pier and and on other ships, especially um, the main ship to the south. So their presence is, is definitely here. Now, they're just not mingling with everyone inside of the house. Uh, that you guys are in right now. Can I look over at the other games that are being played and kind of survey um, who, who's playing them and if there seems to be like someone that's the the big spender or the big winner at any of these tables? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're, um, you know, you, you're not you're not too foreign to these types of games. There's two other ones that are being played: Avonja's Favor and Beggar's Bet. Um, now, two of the tables that are closest to you are playing Beggar's Bet, and it seems like they're not people down on their luck. There seem to be nobles here, which is not uncommon for Eel's End. As you know, the ambassador comes here, and maybe he spends gold, and this is a place for people of maybe higher stature to come without any sort of consequences. Um, these people do look like they have money. High rollers, as you would say. And you know how to play both of these games. So if you want to sit at these tables, most of them have open seats. Uh, Can I walk around the tables and uh, just observe for a few minutes and Mm -hmm. uh, see what kind of winners are uh, actually winning these these rounds at the table? Mm-hmm, yes. Now, there is one table in particular with someone who seems to be lingering longer than everyone else uh, because the people that are leaving are the ones losing. And this guy's taking all of their money. Now, the game Beggar's Bet is... It's pretty much luck. There's, you know, not a lot of skill involved, but this this you know, larger looking stature of man. I don't mean like buff, I mean like rotund. Um, He seems to be really enjoying how much he's winning. Um, The dealer really isn't enjoying it, you know, trying to hurry him through all of these rounds, but he's winning over and over and over, and there are more seats becoming available because nobody wants to play with him. He seems cocky. He seems a little bit inebriated, too. A larger man with a short goatee, um really happy with himself right now. I'm going to sit down at that table. I'd like, I'd like to sit there. Calic would like to sit down, too. Excellent. Are there Another... spirits available to drink? Yes. Yeah, at the bar. It's um, It doesn't seem like there's a large selection, um, but uh, 
you know, Silas did just get served some sort of alcohol. I would say that if you wanted something a little harder, the bartender would probably be able to procure something. Okay. Of course, we'll get a shot. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Are there people not... serving at the tables, too, while people are playing, or do mm-hmm. you have to go yep. up to the bar? No, no, no. There, there's women sauntering around with trays. They're not charging for the alcohol. They seem to be trying to get people intoxicated on, um, you know, the bar's dime. It's not, you know, too foreign, trying to get your gamblers to gamble more through alcohol. Now, this table, the uh, the person working it is very happy to see you both. The game is beggar's bet. The choice of dice is yours. The buy-in is 50 gold. Now, the other guy at the table is, <laughs> and I'll be taking every single copper. And he looks towards you guys. He pushes part of his pile. He's got a huge pile of gold and puts in 50 gold for the buy-in. Silas, make a distraction, please. Can do. And then I would like to run onto the table again. The Knives' <laughs> table, right? Not the one. The Knives' table. table? Are you Is anyone playing? No, no one's playing after what you just did. I look around at everybody, and I just start saying, Knives's! Knives's is for winners! And winners play Knives's! And nobody can stand up to me! Cyrus, king of the Knives's! You're speaking so loud and people are starting to turn, you know, even the people at the tables uh, that are gambling are turning to look at you. And some of the bigger dudes in the crowd are kind of thinking about it and then realizing that they want to keep their kidneys. Koros, what are you doing with this distraction? As Silas is orchestrating this wonderful distraction, Koros mage hands his shots into the other player's drink. Perfect. And it goes without a hitch. Nobody notices it. Actually, Oliver and uh, Kallik, can you roll perception checks against Koros' uh, uh, let's say, stealth? Or sleight of hand. Let's do a sleight of hand, Koros. You got an 18. I have... I have 16. Perfect. So, Kallik, you see this happen, but you're the only one that does. Place your bets. Are you guys going to buy in? It's 50 gold, like I said before. Yep, I buy in. Sure. And do I... I've been here before, right? Calix You here. have been here before. So yes, do, I, do I recognize this guy? Uh, or do I no, recognize anyone who... It, who you recognize some of the bruisers, yes. Um, you do not recognize the dealer or you know the guy that you're sitting next to, no. I don't know. I've never seen the Darvin Geosim. You've never seen, no, but you have seen the King of Spiders once or twice. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. You guys know the game. Which dice would you like to roll first? She's looking at you guys. So do uh, one clarification about the game. Do we all pick it at the same time or? Uh, no, you can pick it. So the the larger guy picks a 1d20 and rolls a two. Rolls a two. 
So that is incredible for him. If that is the lowest roll, he will get 10 points for this round. But if I if I take a smaller die and I roll a 1, do I get the points and he doesn't get points? Yes, correct. So if you roll a d4, you'll get 2 points if you roll a 1, and he will not get those 10 points. That was probably the best roll other than a 1 he could have done. So he's pretty cocky. Okay, I'll take a d4. Because he can't roll that d20 again, right? He cannot roll that d20 again. He started with the d20. It's a very strong move. Uh, I rolled a 4. I'll roll a d20. An 11. Well, like I said, and he kind of just reaches forward and grabs both of your gold, so he's 100 gold richer now. Next round. Oh, actually, three rounds. Wait, My yeah, round. I was wait, like, yeah, wait, 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 we don't wait, buy wait, it every wait, round, wait, right? Wait, wait, never mind. <laughs> Pause for edit. <laughs> Next round. He rolls a d4. And rolls a 4. Uh, can I take a moment and inspect him and look at his hands in particular? Yes, you may. Roll a perception check. Take the roll on two. Fourteen. And I rolled a twenty-one. There's something about the way he's rolling these dice that seems a little bit suspect. Just a bit. Let's see it or just me? Just Callie. You No, no, you both see it. Just a bit. Uh, he rolled a d4 and he rolled four. Mm -hmm. I'll roll a d10. I'm going to roll a d20. 14. Ooh. Oliver with a three. So Oliver has five points. He has ten points. Last round. He's going to roll a d10. And he gets a one. I, I'm going to roll another perception check to see if he did the same thing. I rolled a 19. He absolutely did the same thing. Excuse me, Better dealer. What uh, what happens to people who uh, cheat in your establishment? Kind of, kind of see the hair rise on her back. Well, I'll have you know, not only do we not suffer a cheater, but they don't suffer very long. The reef sharks around these waters are vicious. And she's staring at you two. She doesn't suspect him as cheating at all. He's not making eye contact with you. That's funny. That's funny since the man who's been winning all the money over there seems to be doing something funny with his hands every time he rolls. He looks at you. Are you accusing me of cheating? You see the bruisers kind of turn towards you as the the dealer is kind of motioning underneath the table. Do I know any of the bruisers? 
Uh, you've seen the Bruisers. You do not know them personally. If the Bruisers were to, if you were to talk to the Bruisers about your previous employ, it would be very clear that you too are someone, are somewhat of a Bruiser. But they, oh yeah, but they like, they've seen me here and they've seen me gamble, right? Yes, correct. So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I'll nod over to them like. I'm just, uh, if the shoe fits, yeah, you look like you're cheating. And those guys over there have seen me in here many times. They've seen me play. They know I don't cheat. He looks towards the dealer. He looks towards you guys. You know what? I think I will retire. The House of Clouds has not seen me in many moons. And he pushes the gold that he bet originally. Back onto the table. I forfeit this round. What's the House of Clouds? Can I do a knowledge check on that? It's yes. the establishment that Silas should go to. It's oh, the, I'm assuming it's a brothel based upon... Yeah, the it's the brothel in this area, I assume. 100% a brothel. Okay. Waste of a 19. Still a beautiful 19. So that the the dude that was gambling is forfeiting this round? He's forfeiting all of the rounds. Because that was the last round and he would have won with that one. I didn't roll yet. Who oh, knows? True. I mean, you could still roll. It's between the two of you. Yeah, I rolled a d12 and I rolled like a 7 or something like that. Oliver, your roll. A five. Oliver wins. Oliver, all 150 gold is yours. But I'm going to stand up uh, and walk over to the dude as he is getting up to leave. I don't want any trouble. Well, then uh, you should consider your options here. Uh, because we can let everybody know in the establishment that they were cheated out of their money. As you say uh, cheating, he's like, he's putting his hands up, look, 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 keep your voice down. What do you want? I want that ring that you're wearing. He brings up his hand, my wedding ring? Is that the only ring he's wearing? It's not a wedding ring. It's not on his ring finger. He's holding it up. He's a little bit more intoxicated than he intended, and his deception is not going very well. It's on the wrong finger completely. I want that ring that's on your finger. Looking at the bruisers. They're already looking at him, looking at you. He pulls the ring off of his finger and hands it to you. Here. It's yours. Now, please. You're welcome to leave. He turns, and you can see that he's very disheveled, a little bit inebriated, and he kind of waddles over to the other barge where he's welcomed by very attractive women. So, you guys are still in the Twin Tigers. Silas is still on the table screaming at people. Koros just spiked a drink, and you guys just won some gold. What's your move? 
Well, before that guy was a dirty cheater, I was going to try and ask him about this person. Mm. That now one. You... I mean, you know where he is. Darvain? We know where Darvain is? No, you know where this guy is that you guys just scared off. No, I'm going to the House of Clouds. I'm not going to like run him down and be like, hey, sorry I lost you 150 <laughs> gold. Have you seen this dude? We yeah, know you never... where Darvain is. The issue is getting an audience with him. No, you we know, know where Devargo is. Devargo yeah. is the oh, king yes. of spiders. Yes. yes, you're right. I'm confusing the two. Yeah, their names are very similar. Very similar. Um, I'll walk over to one of the bruisers who, like, I guess through the times that I've been here, I've, like, looked intimidating around him while he also was looking intimidating. So we kind of have a... Uh, relationship, or as yeah. much of a relationship as to... Mm -hmm. And he, he recognizes you, and he doesn't really make eye contact, but he doesn't shove off your presence. And he's kind of leaning against the ledge of the ship. Um, he makes no move to move away from you as you approach. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a man. He, I guess, is a pretty big guy around here if you're looking for big men the house of clouds caters to your kind <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got me no this guy is i think is pretty important uh he's not from around here he's from chiliax and his name's darvain i think yeah i know darvain you know uh you know where he is I know he only comes here to watch Knivesies while waiting for an audience with DeVargo. He's here once or twice a month. He's got a favorite girl down in the House of Clouds. Blonde one with, uh... And he kind of gestures to his chest. Huge tits. Right. Alright, yeah. Uh, thanks, man. I, I guess I'll I'll go look. Do you, you don't know her name or anything. I'll just no. go look. That's... You're not going to miss her. Cool. Thanks, man. And I'll, I'll leave. Excellent. And, and I'll call like a powwow. And uh, I'll relay that information. And the information's been relayed. During the powwow, I don't pay attention at all because I'm busy focusing on the ring that I got. Uh, and trying to identify it. The ring that he was wearing that you correctly removed from his hand, it's just a minor ring of trickery. He was using it to roll the dice in his favor. If you were to wear it, you'd be able to do, you know, minor things like that. Just small, small ways to sway gambling into your, into your, I guess, favor. Good thing to have why, on a ship like this. Why is everyone so focused on that lady's boobs? Well, to that end, why don't you and Oliver stay here and gamble some more, and Chorus and I'll head on over. You're saying you want me to go stab more people? Just don't get in a fight while I'm not here. That's a little of the game, though. I mean, like... A non-game sanctioned fight. Hmm. No 
promises, but, you know, we'll see how the night goes. And don't lose all our money. Uh, I don't think I've got any of that money when, okay. uh, when I, I want to. No, I'm going to say I don't want to have any of it. Uh, I will babysit way. the murderous child while you guys go. Koros, Kalik, oh, I'm assuming you, you head to the House of Clouds. Yeah. You make your way across gangplanks uh, towards this ship that just reeks of perfume. Um, and uh, uh, set on silver stands, which are carved into the likeness of split-eyed serpents and proud hunting birds. Several scantily clad men and women loiter about the barge's deck. Now, no one's paying you guys any attention at first. They're all very, very busy entertaining paying customers. And eventually, a very minimally dressed half-elf woman saunters over to you with a smile. Two warriors. That's a combination we see here quite often. We don't discriminate. My name is Halvara, the Madam Supreme here on the House of Clouds. Are you looking for a group rate? Yes. Excellent, excellent. Well, it's 15 gold for the first girl, or male. I, Like I said, we don't discriminate here. Um, and if you'd like any more than that, it's five gold apiece. Basically. One girl will suffice. Well then. Though my friend has particular taste. He loves a blonde. A blonde, yes. Well, lucky him. And as she says that, Calic, you feel soft hands on your shoulders, carefully inspecting your physique. Havara, it's been so long since I've had a Shawanti, and even longer since I've had a half-orc. How about I pay you for him? The voice comes from behind you. Koros, out of the corner of your eye, you do spy blonde hair. Havara narrows her eyes before holding out her hand. Fifteen minutes, Tish. Fifteen. Tish slides around you between the two of you just to see you face to face. Calic, I need you to make a perception check. Calic, I'm sorry. I thought you said chorus. I can understand. You're, you're pretty distracted right now. Uh, 19. 19. The hand that's caressing you has a mark on the wrist. It's the mark of a thief labeled by a city or a guard that would have caught her. And this is something very common with street gangs. And it's very clear that Tish has seen more than just a bedroom for work. She's looking deep into your eyes. Let's go, warrior boy. And she looks at Koros. How about you take a turn after? Let me have my fun. Koros nods. She holds out a hand. Kalik? Yeah, I'll go with her. You're pulled away from Koros into the tent, and the smell is intoxicating. Uh, it's, it's, it's really strong, and the sounds of people enjoying themselves gets louder and louder as you descend into the lower decks. Koros, you lose sight of him. 
Um, but you don't lose sight of the many attractive people still walking around in various states of not having clothes on. Tish looks back at you with a knowing smile. Calicus, you guys get deeper and deeper into the ship. Some of the doors are wide open and you see couples and thruples making love in ways you didn't think possible. And you're still being pulled along quickly by that eager woman. Finally, you arrive to a corner room. Tish opens the door and pulls you in. It's just the two of you now. And the door closes quickly and there's a very loud locking mechanism. She lets out a deep breath and the smile drops. Dad wants to talk to you. You've got 15 minutes before Halvara gets nosy. She says, collapsing on the bed, motioning towards the window facing the river. Um, she's not the woman I was looking for, right? Uh, she may have been the woman you needed to look for. Okay, I'll walk over. And outside the window is a small walkway that wraps around the lower level of the ship. It's sturdy looking, and it's big enough for you to walk on. But more importantly, down near the bow... A figure waits, staring out towards the ocean. Fifteen minutes, Calic. We don't have all day. Uh, I'll walk over and say, I've been told to come over. So you have to, like, climb out the window to get onto okay. this walkway? Yeah. Okay, perfect, perfect. So the music kind of fades, and the figure doesn't turn immediately. Kind of looks out, and then he turns towards you, and it's your father, your adopted father. And he says, Kalik, my son, it's been a while since I've had the pleasure of seeing your face. It's Valar, the leader of one of the many underground organizations in Corvosa. When I heard word of you working for the city guard, I assumed you had an angle. Why else would the boy I raised turn coat and help the law? And he laughs and pulls you into a strong, familiar hug. Tell me, boy, what are you doing here? I was, uh, recruited by a woman who ended up being a ghost to kill Cadron. You can see his face kind of twist. He, you're not sure if he's believing your story. Yeah, is is that right? Did you uh, did you kill Gadrin? Yeah, uh, three other men and I infiltrated his door and or his hideout and killed him. Why is it that you haven't come home? Well, I've been I've. There's just not really been any sort of opening to get back. That's and... a story. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad that you're safe. Sorry that I had to employ the likes of Tish. I've, I've heard that my son was out and about doing some business with the Crown, and I had to get my eyes on you once again. Now, our time is short, my son, but I have an opportunity for not only you, but for our entire organization. Are you busy? I mean, not really. Good. You know who Devargo is, correct? Yeah. He keeps information below deck, of course. 
but he keeps treasure there too, son. There's a simple pouch of coins that I'd appreciate if it fell into my hands, and to be honest with you, if DeVargo died and someone had to run this place, well, and he shrugs and smiles, and he turns back towards the river. I happen to like this dock. We could house new recruits and keep the business running too. So what do you say? You still working for your dad? I never stop working for you. That's what the, I want to hear. The Queen's gold spends the same as anyone else's, though. They all drop the same when they hit the counter, don't they? Yeah, they do. We're actually... And, have you... Do you know anything about... Some guy named Darvain? The ambassador. Yeah. The, yes. Yeah, no, he, he comes here quite often. What... What do you need with him? He's nothing. Well, the queen is giving us a lot of gold to kick up some dirt on him or get to uh, dig up some dirt on him. You're working both sides, huh? You're just like your father. This is good. This is good. This is the place to find it. I know for a fact the king of spiders has him in his pocket, but why? I don't know. You're going to have to ask the man himself. This could work for both of us, Kallik, as it always had. You grab that pouch, you get your information, you get the Queen's gold, you kill Devargo. You don't have to kill Devargo. I'm not, I'm not implying that. But it would just make things a lot easier. We'd run this place ourselves. Be a safe haven. The city's not very safe right now, if you can't tell. And I've got word that things are not going to get any better anytime soon. And this little pier here is kind of a detachment from Corvosa proper. We could really thrive here. The younger recruits could feel safe. They can have the type of life that you did. Well, a large portion of my early life is not something I'd wish on other people. But what about this portion? What about you and your father out here on this pier? enjoying this beautiful view is this not something you'd like to remember is this not something that you would wish for the children that we bring up yeah i think that this is probably something that we can pass along to other recruits it's the best thing that'll happen to them or else what they end up as gadrin so if, <laughs> without gadrin what are they gonna do this type of lifestyle it serves a purpose and I think we can really bring some purpose to this city if the right coin hits the table, son. Okay. So, just get that purse and... Real simple. Grab the coin purse, bring it to me. I, you know, look at it for all I care. Just don't, don't steal from your father. Steal from him. Of course, of course. I'll be keeping my eye on you. Now, like Tish said, I don't want the uh, the madam, as they call her, to come looking. 15 minutes is 15 minutes. Make it look like you gave her a good show. You don't have to tell me twice. I think I do. I think I do, Kallik. You don't need to worry about finding me. We've been mobile since the ruckus above ground. I'll find you. I've got eyes everywhere. That blacksmith? That girl working at the blacksmith? Didn't recognize her, did you? No. You should go say hi to her after all this is done. Tell her you saw me. 
In private, of course. Might lead to little more than what you bought. Uh, maybe I... Yeah, I guess I, I can do that. You've always been a good boy, Gallic. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Stay safe. And I'll walk back in. Oh, first, can you explain the... Is it just... Is, like, there's going to be more than one purse. Now, this purse is very particular. It only has, I think, I want to say eight or nine coins in it, and these aren't the type of coins that you would use to buy things. You'll know it when you see it. Lower deck. Calic, okay. Calic, before you go, are you are you scared of spiders? Alec, don't fuck with no spiders. Mm, me too. I hate spiders, son. You're just like me. Man, I would have loved to have met your actual father. I bet we would have gotten along. Get out of here, kid. Alright, stay safe. And I'll climb nope. back in. Oh. Nope. Oh, you don't hear what he says as you nope. climb back in. Yep. <laughs> uh, you climb back into that window and Tish has ruined the room. She's ripped her clothing and her chest is bare and there's sweat on her brow. You did show me a good time. Or sh you did show me a good time, Calic. She muses, sheepishly moving towards you and taking your arm. Let's go back upstairs, baby boy. Sounds good to me. You guys move your way back upstairs, um, and Koros, it's it's been fifteen minutes, and uh, you see your friend come back. Uh, Tish's chest is still bare, and you know she looks pretty disheveled. Calic looks fine. Uh, as you would expect, but he looks a little bit happier. 15 minutes on the button. I shouldn't be surprised. I would have uh, let him go a little bit longer, but he's very punctual. And she pulls you towards her and kisses you on the cheek and then pushes you away. Calic. Are we done here, Calic? Uh, <laughs> no, I think that we need to find that woman that... Uh, fuck, I keep on closing the goddamn thing. That uh, Darvain prefers to find a little bit more information. You say Darvain out loud? Yeah. Yeah. Tish isn't too far away. And she turns back to you. Did you did you say Darvain? Maybe. We seek to learn more about Darvain. And we have gold. That's exactly what I was going to suggest. And she turns to see if uh Alvaro is looking. Give me the gold. Make it look like you're giving me the gold. Course, she holds out her hand. Gold. And she takes you both by the arms and moves you towards the outer deck where she keeps her shirt off. Darvain is a very hungry man. He comes here very often and he does prefer blondes. I will say that. And you can kind of see she's not really making eye contact. What do you want with him? Did... Did Dad say something about Darvain? 
Darvain has made the wrong types of enemies. Well, we seek to learn more about his tastes. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't think he has very high tastes for his own wife. I see him here all too often. But it's not the girls here that he should be worried about. There's word of him fraternizing with a noble. I don't know much, but I do know that some letters were stolen. And those letters might be in the lower deck of the King of Spiders. I think that's how he keeps him here, how he keeps him in his pocket. And the Cheliax ambassador is something very, very powerful to keep in your pocket. You can't tell anyone that I've told you this. Your secret's safe with us. If something were to happen to the ambassador, I wouldn't be too sad. But if someone were to find out that I told you about these this correspondence between him and this this very prestigious ambassador with a a husband, no less, I could be killed very quickly. Told us what? And Koros hands her an extra 20 gold, implying it's to buy her silence as well. This is something that I can do for both of us. Calic, it was... Nice to see you. It was definitely good to see you too. She covers her chest. Are you guys lingering? No, I think that we should go back and tell everybody else, right? Hope that uh, our money's still there and Silas is still alive. I need... Oliver and Silas both to roll flat d20s. Silas, please Six. roll better. Uh, nope. That's a natural two. Excellent. So they have lost, let's see, 54 gold in Silas's um, carousing. Not a, he didn't do knives again but he was playing at the table and uh they've lost a total of 54 gold not too much not too much uh but they come back and they relay all of this information to you guys prism what is your plan of attack i think we need to get into the room we need to get into the... the boat, onto the barge, because we need to either confront him, or we need to get under to the below decks to search his stash. Now, as you guys are looking at this barge, can I have all of you make a perception check? I might need to get new dice. 17. 17. 4. 13. Oof. Jesus Christ. Now, Oliver, you know that these ships are incredibly old. Um, they really shouldn't be seaworthy, but you notice that the way that they're tied, they're not floating. 
they're attached to the deck, most of them, even though they sway just a little bit. Um, so the structural integrity of the bottom of these ships might be a little bit dubious if you're catching my drift. So of all of the ships, mainly uh, Devargo's ship. Okay. Mm -hmm. so you're saying blow a hole in the side of it. I'm not you know I'm not I'm not suggesting anything, but there are many ways to lower decks. Now you guys uh, have a clear shot of this door. You know where you would have to go to get an audience with the King of Spiders. There are only three ships, including that one, that you haven't been on. You haven't been on the ship that houses the inn, you haven't been on the drug den, and you haven't been on DeVargo's ship. I have it on good authority that there's some good information on the Dwagon ship. So I vote we go chase the Dwagon. Uh, just a sidebar there, uh, Todd, as a PC. What information did you gather that you would find there? That there's drugs. Okay, true. Okay, carry on. <laughs> carry on. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't have any known addictions yet. Yet. Mm-hmm. One vial of shiver is enough for you, I think. Well, then give me a vial of shiver. Do you not still have it? Don't he you? does. He's playing with you. <laughs> if one's plenty, then give it to me. Koros taps his pocket where the shiver used to be. Well, then Funny I think we need to go... Tell you what. That pocket looks pretty empty. It's it's on me. Let's go fill it up. And then I start walking to the ship. Just straight up towards the dragon's breath. Now, the dragon's breath is really close to uh, the aptly named Eel's End, the big warship. So... Is anyone going to stop the child from walking into the drug den? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go I'll, on. I'll walk over and grab him by the shoulder and say, I don't think this place is for you. You've done good already. I don't think that we need to stretch your luck. Murder I, is uh, acceptable, but drugs aren't. Yeah. Boundaries. <laughs> yeah. I just want to take a look around, see if we can get any more information, if we can help anybody. Maybe, maybe they know stuff that would help us get an audience with the the dude. I think you did an awful lot to get us an audience with the dude. All right. If he says, oh, I totally would have told you everything if you just would have picked up one package for me from the dragon ship, 
I'm going to look at you guys, and I'm just going to raise my hand, because not my fault, not my problem. There may not be as much talking as you anticipate, Silas. So we're just going to stab the guy? Because I can do that, too. He you saw it. have kidneys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very true. He happens to have two kidneys. So he has a family? Stop. Oh, God. Are you guys making your way to the barge? Or is there a bigger Coral plan says. here? Okay. Oliver, can we get a mic check? I see that you're firing. I don't know if I can hear your voice, though. Can yes. I make a stealth check to just go look in the in the window of the... the uh... There are no windows. By the way, I heard that test, so that was successful. Uh, there are no windows, per se. You'd have to get on the deck, and the deck is covered in brutes. Um, but there are only two of them guarding the large double doors with the spider painted on it. So you can... I'm on the drug den. Oh, on the drug den. Yes, uh, you can. You don't even have to leave the pier proper. Um, the windows are covered in smoke. It is so thick in there that if you open that door, there's a good chance you'd get a contact high almost immediately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so, I follow the rest of everybody, but I'm but I'm last. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, so you guys make your way to the deck of the eel's end. I think the naming scheme is so interesting that they would name the pier eel's end and then the main ship eel's end. But nonetheless, here we are. Um, lots of brutes this time around, and they don't seem to be having much fun there's a uh, some hammocks hanging uh where they sleep this is where everyone under devargo's employ probably stays when they're not actually working uh there are several several drunk sailors um kind of keeping them to themselves sitting mumbling um besides the pair of large doors with this spider painted on it they're yeah, kind of staring still at seeing you. the knivesies table in Roll. Oh, Ooh. let me uh, let me delete that. There's no picture for you to see here just yet, but I'll bring you back to the map, just so you don't see the knivesies table anymore. Um, now you still hear the music, uh, from the Golden Hawk, but it's it's you know a little bit more distant, or the Twin Tigers rather. Um, the brutes are standing there stoically. And one of them kind of mumbles to the other. What are you guys going to do? Tell your boss, number one knivesy guy is here. The two guards share a quick gaze before one slips the door open and moves out of sight. Silence. But after a short moment, he returns. And he whispers to the other guard, and he pulls his side of the door open. The king will see you. And the other guard follows suit, and the intricately painted door is now open to you. Silas, you're right up front. 
it's kind of dark in there, but you could walk right in. Well, boys, that's how it's done. And then confidently, not checking for traps, not any caution, walk right in the door. Exactly what I needed. This large room, once a captain's cabin, has been converted into a throne room of sorts. The walls are thick with spider webs, in which scuttle dozens of spiders. Some as large as a fist, but most considerably smaller. These spiders seem content to stay in their webs and do not venture into the room itself, which is furnished with two sturdy oaken tables, one as big as the table that you played knivesies on, and the other one surrounded by chairs. Aft, a wooden stage supports a large leather chair covered with cobwebs and scampering spiders. A narrow door stands to the port, hanging a jar, revealing a flight of stairs leading down below to the lower deck that you guys have heard so much about. An iron birdcage hangs from the ceiling like a chandelier, and inside of it, a pseudo-dragon. Looks a little malnourished. There are six or seven grunts sitting at the tables to your left and right, and directly in front of you, sitting on his throne, is a man with a sharp glare and spiders crawling all over his body. Step forward. Speak to your king. And that is where we're going to end tonight's session.